Hello, Marco. Hey, Katie. How you doing? I'm so good. How yes, are you? I'm great. And we have our friend here, Daniel Delgado. Woo. Hello. <laughs> Daniel. Daniel's, Daniel's been a friend of Desert Stream for a while. He used to be on staff here. It's great to have you back here, brother. Yeah, thank you. It's good to be here. I feel like I'm at home yeah. when I'm at, whenever I'm around Aww. Desert Stream and the Desert Stream family and the Living Waters community. Yes. yes. We're like your local Applebee's. <laughs> when you're here, you're home. Oh, I, can I say that? Is that copyright? I don't even know if that's the correct slogan, but when you're at Desert Streams, you're home. Well, Daniel, um, we just, we'll get right into it. I just want you to um, maybe share a little bit of your story and how Jesus made a way for you in your own like sexual brokenness. So maybe give us a background of how you came to know the Lord in your own struggle and, and what were some turning points in that for you? Yes. I always think of being a teenager and having embraced the, the gay identity, uh, through a counselor who had encouraged me in high school uh, to embrace this identity because I was always in counseling and I was Mm. always trying to get help and different things and was always recommended to go and see someone because I was dealing with uh, a lot of more effeminate qualities. I acted more like a girl um, and I was being teased a lot in school Mm. and... I was having these same-sex attraction feelings, and so it was encouraged by this counselor to embrace the gay identity wow. because he thought it would help me and my life would get better if I did. Yeah. So when I was a freshman in high school, I embraced this identity, this gay identity, mm. and wow. by the time I was 16, I... I was pretty drugged out oh. and wow. depressed and having a lot of issues and I didn't want to live mm-hmm. and oh. I was feeling very suicidal and depressed and I had just moved into this neighborhood in Texas. I'm originally from Chicago but my family moved when I was a teenager to South Texas, mm-hmm. to McAllen, Texas and we had moved into this subdivision and we lived right across the street from this uh, Christian woman who I didn't really know her but I know that she had noticed me and she um, had discerned one day that I was dealing with something because the Spirit of the Lord actually spoke to her and she felt so inclined because she said that the Lord had spoke to her some years later I found this out I didn't know at the time Mm. but she told me some years later that the Lord had spoke to her and said, go across the street and invite him to church. (laughs) And so she did, and I I went with her. And that day I was dealing with suicidal ideation and was really planning on on committing suicide. And I I had lost hope at that point because sometimes I just always thought, you know, um, it would be better to be dead than alive. And I didn't realize at that point that I was under such a spirit of death. And the Lord was intervening through this Christian woman who was already interceding for me and praying for me because she would notice me getting off the bus, Mm -hmm. you know, every day from school, sometimes hearing the barrage of of insults and lies that they were saying to me about my identity, these these peers of mine from the school bus. 
and it was just like it was horrible mm. and I remember thinking to myself that it was like negatively reinforcing all these things that I had believed about myself these lies and she came across the street she knocked on the door she invited me to church and I went with her she had told my mom he has five minutes to come with me you know? can I interrupt and, it yeah. real quick just based on what you're saying um, so it seemed like there was a lot of at least in your counselor voices saying oh embrace the lifestyle you're gay that's who you are um, was that mainly what you were hearing from the adults around you, the people around you, this emphasis of just embracing this gay identity? And was this neighbor woman kind of the lone person who was speaking truth to you? Like, what was your experience with people around you who had some ability to speak into your life at that point? Yeah, so I think that there were people who were always kind of saying, I would overhear as a child, adults saying, oh, well, you better watch out for him because he might end up being gay. Mm. You know? yeah. And they were speaking these things yeah. over me or saying things over me. And I think a lot of it was through the, the bullying that I heard a lot of yeah. these voices through the bullying, whether it was from peers or even teachers that just um, would join in with that negative reinforcement, wow. right, by not really addressing it or maybe just kind of glossing over it mm. and not saying anything, sending a message right. to me but that this is what people thought about me. Right. Yeah. And it was being mirrored back to me, but that's what they thought I was, that I wasn't enough, mm. right, and that I was like, this was my lot in life and this is who I was. Yeah. Yeah. And when this neighbor reached out... Right. It was amazing. And understand that I was always the prime target for the youth group, okay? Oh. <laughs> like, yeah. it's like, if we can win I mean? him over, yes. we're the youth group of the year you know? nationwide. And, <laughs> and my mom had got saved when she was okay. young, and she got saved at Moody Bible oh. when she was a girl. And so she encouraged... Um, you know, she encouraged that we seek the Lord when, you know, she's like, oh, you want to go to the youth group? Go ahead. You okay, know? yeah. So she would encourage that. And, you know, she she had, like, she wasn't very devout. She wasn't devout to the Lord. and uh, But this neighbor woman was. Mm -hmm. And when she invited me, I went, and <clears throat> the pastor's wife uh, just had a word for me and asked all the men, young and old, well. in the room to pray for me. And that was the first time that I had ever experienced the love of God in awesome. such a tangible way because these men had gathered around yes. me and blessed me, uh, you know, to experience Jesus and the love of God mm. because they were entering into my suffering in the places yeah. where I was suffering quietly. And I remember crying and thinking to myself, oh my gosh, don't cry. And my <laughs> eyes were closed. And then I thought, oh no. And it was erupting out of me. I was like, kind of like, ah. You know, you ever have that moment? You're like, ah. So, Marco so, doesn't cry famously. So he's like, what is water when it happens, coming out I'm of like, your like, eyes? No. <laughs> and so I, I can't stop it. <laughs> I know. And so I opened my eyes and they were all wow. crying with me. Whoa. And these were like my peers. These were, wow. you know, Daniel. teenagers my age that were going to local high school. Some were not going to my specific high school. Whoa. But to be able to witness that and yes. see that, that yeah. was an imprint Absolutely. of Jesus 
Jesus is love for me. Yeah. Now, I wish I could say that that was the moment of my salvation and I gave my life to the Lord in <laughs> such a dramatic way. That, He's never you know, looked back. never looked back. And it's like, oh my gosh, you know, I was so pulled by the darkness. I yeah. really yeah. was. And I knew that there was an assignment right. of the wicked one hmm. to try and take me out. Yeah. And instead of realizing that the church was my home, I thought it really wasn't. Mm-hmm. And, you know, when I went into the youth group that night as a 16-year-old, I mean, you should have saw what I had on. I mean, it was like, you know, and yet they loved What me. did you have on? I had on these, like... You're gesturing, but oh I can't quite make it up, no. Daniel. <laughs> and it was like this... Uh, and I always share this, you know, for perspective, not to glory. Yeah, yeah. Like yeah. This, but for perspective... Um, I had on this rainbow poncho wow. and these bell-bottom jeans, and they still loved me, and they still Aww. cared for me, and they still So at this point in your life, Jesus Daniel, you, you were already like sort of living a sort of... I was. Okay. And, yes. and you were dressing more feminine in school. Yes, in and, school. Okay, wow. And so after this point where you had this amazing encounter with the Lord, what was different after that point? Yes, I went home, and I didn't want to commit suicide. At the same time, I ran into the arms of the LGBT community Mm. and would sneak out of my house and go to the bars and they would let us into the bars. And I was a teenager, mind you, okay? And I didn't realize what kind of culture I was a part of Mm. until, you know, I was 18 years old and I threw off all restraint and I said, you know what? I don't even want to live as a man anymore. I'm going to live like a woman. Mm And even in my senior year of high school, I went to all of my dances dressed in drag. I was getting ready to embrace throwing off restraint and saying, I don't want to live like a man anymore. I want to identify as a woman. Hmm. Now, I knew I wasn't a woman. It's not like, oh, I thought, oh, I'm a woman, Mm. you know. I knew I wasn't, but I didn't want to live in my body. I didn't like my life. I actually hated my life. Hmm. And I didn't have language mm. and the space to really talk about that. Yeah. So I just thought, well, I just was angry and thought, I'll do whatever I want. Yeah. And you try to tell me that I can't. Yeah. You know? What I mean? yeah, yeah. And it was like, wow, okay. So at the age of 18, started just doing professional pageantry and living as a woman. And the Lord, even in that time, was pursuing me through the neighbor who would mobilize people to gather at her house and worship Jesus in the middle of the night while I was off in the bar wow. acting crazy. This is the same local. neighbor yeah. that invited you? Yes. Wow. She would mobilize the youth, like the young adults, the young yeah. adults to come to her front yard and worship the Lord. And they would, they would have a guitar out there and I would come home and they'd be on the guitar and stuff. Well, I found out from that group and from her some years later, they were praying for me. They would intercede for me. Some of them would run across the street and get all charismatic and they would lay their hands on the brick of my home, you know, and they would call me out of darkness. Right. That's awesome. And And into the light of Jesus. Yes. That's what, I mean, I think it's a good lesson for all of us is that those of us who know the truth and know Jesus and love him, like we need to be the voices for people who need to be called out of lies 
out of darkness into the truth. Like you don't have to be a scholar or struggling in the same way to be like, no, I see you, Daniel, you're a man, like made for a woman. Sure. Probably wouldn't phrase it that way. I don't know. My dad probably would. (laughs) He's always evangelizing people, but like you need people to just see the real you, a man designed for woman and call you out. Like that's, those are lifelines, right? Cause you came back. You're now like you are now such a devout Christian. You love Jesus, a strong man desiring marriage with a woman. And all of those people were important, like life rafts for you in kind of the morass of gender dysphoria and kind of same sex attraction. So that's helpful for us to be like, oh, let's let's call people out. Let's just remind them who they are. Maybe I'm not going to pray all night while you're at the bar and put my hand on your house, but I can say something when I see you. Like I can remind you if you're a friend or, you know, if you have the boldness to just say something to someone kind of, you know, casually just remind Mm -hmm. them of who they are, man for woman or woman for man. They trusted Jesus was going to break in and they believed even when they thought like some of them would just think, I don't even know if there's a way, Lord, but I'm going to believe you for the way. Yes. Yeah. I'm going to believe that you are the only way, that you are, you know, his only hope. Amen. And, Amen. and later I realized, wow, I was looking for hope. Yeah. And yeah. I wanted to know who my hope was founded in. Yeah. Where could I find hope? And when Jesus encountered me, I'd be at the pageants and stuff. I'd be sitting there and he'd be convicting my heart. Wow. And I'd be thinking, what am I doing here? Mm. And one day this guy, you know, just invited me to come to church, you know. So I was, you know, partying with a lot of backslidden Christians. Yeah. I'll just say that. I was. I mean, I was partying with a lot of backslidden Christians. Yeah. Some were in the lifestyle and some were not. Yeah. You know, and... And one guy just said, hey, I'm going to church. I just, I need the Lord. Like, you wow. want to come with me? Whoa. And I was like, okay. And then it ended up being my neighbor's church. Wow, amen. The Lord just <laughs> was drawing you. Was she and there? Then, yeah, she was there in the sound booth doing, you know. Whoa. She probably freaked out when oh, you walked she in. she was like, okay, That's all right. Awesome. She just remained steady and yeah. was a constant yes. presence in my life. And such a wonderful person. We still talk today. Wow. We still have a great relationship. It's amazing. Yeah. You know, and I think what was so beautiful was that people surrounded me. Yeah. Hmm. And provided a space for me to encounter Jesus. Yes. So that I could actually wholeheartedly repent. Yeah. Wow. And give my life to yes. the Lord. Yes. And I'll never forget that day in December. It was the 1st of December of 2002. Hmm. And I just went up for prayer, right? Because I just thought to myself, I had tried so many times mm. to do the sinner's prayer and all this kind of stuff and all that. And then, you know, and for you Catholics listening, you know, and you're rolling your eyes, you know, it's kind of like Marco rolled his eyes. <laughs> no, he didn't. No, he didn't. He did, audience. <laughs> Dear listeners. Oh he my did. gosh, Katie, you're outing me, and <laughs> Daniel's defending me. Yeah. You know, for those of you, you know, like rolling your eyes or folding your arms, you know, really Jesus encountered me in such a powerful way and brought me to the end of myself to where I cried out to the Lord. And I remember weeping that night, holy tears and repenting in the presence of Christ's members and him just putting it, dropping it into my spirit. I'll never forget. It was like I was experiencing Jesus enter me. It wasn't just a feeling. 
it was like I could breathe. It was like he had resuscitated wow. me. Something had happened. And like the whole atmosphere shifted and changed. Amen. It was like a cloud being rolled back. And I could I could breathe. Yes. And I thought, oh my gosh. And it was like Jesus almost, like standing. It was yes. as though he was standing right in front of me saying choose me yes and that's when i just wept wow. in the presence of the lord because this man just was going around praying he was the father of one of the guys at the two of the gentlemen that were attending that that group mm-hmm. and they were doing altar ministry time after the after the the message you know and he just came up to me and he told me how much the father loved me wow. and how much he loved me he kept repeating the father wow. loves you and i just broke and i wept in the mm. presence of the lord and he told me that I was going to defend the kingdom of God, Whoa. that I was going to represent and be an ambassador for the kingdom. Whoa. And from that day on, I followed Jesus. Amen. And I remember that night, this phrase dropping into my spirit that has anchored me to this day. And that phrase was, you are not a homosexual. Yes, amen. Wow. Yes. And I knew that that was from the Father. Yes. I knew that that was yes. Jesus speaking to my heart. Yes. Now, Daniel. It has anchored me to this day. That's a, a couple things come to mind that I want to ask you about. Number one, you use the word repent, you know. Mm-hmm. What did you have to repent of? Because people would say, well, Daniel, you didn't choose to be this way. There's, a, there's, a, there's, there's an aspect of your experience of same-sex attraction that, that wasn't your volition or, or a part of your will, but... We would say in in, minist- in our ministry, like, well, there's an aspect that we do have to repent of. So what what do you mean when you said, I had to repent when I came to Jesus? Yes, I realized that I was a sinner. Honestly, well. I was in the presence of the Lord, mm. and I experienced the love of God mm. in such a powerful way yeah. that I became so aware of my sins. Mm-hmm. My sins, like my sexual sins. Yes, yeah. yeah. And even other sins, right? The way that I saw God and what I believed about God. And then when he's over here, like, encountering me and, like, revealing the truth of who I really am, I realized that I had to take back everything I had ever said. Wow. And I could see him. Yeah. And I realized, oh, my gosh, I was wrong. Yeah. Yeah. You know? And it was okay to be wrong yeah. in the presence of the Lord and that mm-hmm. I wasn't going to be in trouble oh. for being like a sinner, yeah. <laughs> right? That he was giving me a space to reckon with it yeah. and to surrender yeah. before it was too late. And I think it was his mercy. I believe that it was his mercy, yeah. like a fountain being poured out upon me and washing me. Mm-hmm. From things, but it was an ongoing process. It's not like, oh, well, boom, it happened in sure. one night, and there you go, you're good. But I do think what I like about what you're saying, though, <laughs> it, it, it really is sort of the, you know, it is at Romans, right? It's this kindness that leads us to repentance. Yes. It's not the angry father. But there was something spiritually that you encountered when the father <clears throat> told you he loved you that it, it did ignite in you what we would say is your original innocence, the intention of you as a man. Like you, yes, you knew who you were. So it's like, oh, I am a man made for a woman. Maybe you weren't cognitively kind of understanding that, but the father who created you saw you, you experienced the creator's yeah. vision for your life. 
And then you knew what you were doing was sin. It was by reminding yes. you of your dignity that you could then see where you had fallen short. Yes. So what a beautiful reminder that the Lord never lost sight that you were a good never. man. Never and so it was in that vein that I was like, oh, I just don't want to squander. Yeah. I don't want to hide this. So like that's like the blueprint of our bodies that we talk about. John Paul II talks about theology of the body, but like we have a blueprint in our body that reminds us of who we are. And you never lost that despite years of partying, years of kind of dressing as a woman and all of that. Like the Lord never lost sight of it. And it took a moment with him and you were, it was like revealed to you afresh. And yes, you've, it's an ongoing process, right? Becoming chaste and becoming whole, but like how amazing, like that's what got you really kind of centered towards him. Yes. Beautiful. I think another thing that was very That's important awesome. was to realize that I was trying to escape my body. Yes. And that is a kind of Gnosticism, right? Yeah. Like trying yeah. to escape Good. the body, Good. trying to empty my mind, yes. trying to just think, oh, well, you know, if I just don't think about it yeah. and I just do what I want, yeah. I'll, I'll feel better. Yeah. yeah. I'll be better. And I wasn't. Right. I was like dead. Yeah. And then when he resurrected Amen. me, yeah. and he breathed life into me, and I thought, oh my gosh, I was my eyes opened to the spirit of death, and I realized I was wholeheartedly mm. committed to a whole culture of death when yeah. it came to the LGBT reality yeah. wow. and dressing as a woman and different things. And then the Lord was just like, okay, now you can live for me wow. and actually be part of a whole culture of life. Amen. Yeah. The Lord loved me into the kingdom. Yes, amen. I always say this. He loves us into the yes. kingdom. Yeah. He doesn't hate us into the kingdom. Yes. Amen. And I think it's important to say that yeah. because so many accuse uh, yes. the church yeah. of being hateful. Yeah. And it's not true. Yeah. Amen. But love is always, I think, like what the church nowadays seems to love LGBTQ. Like there's so much love, but... God's love is always love and his truth. They're not separated from the Lord. His right. love is truth. And so I think what we see in the church is either a tendency to be hateful or love LGBTQ, but without the truth of who they really are, their mm-hmm. intention. And so God loved you into the kingdom, but by, he loved you by revealing the truth of who you were. Absolutely. So we can't split it yeah. because then we're not offering love. I mean, right. love devoid of truth is easy sentimentality that right. costs us nothing and does nothing. Like the people who loved you in the lifestyle who were affirming it weren't <laughs> inviting you into the kingdom of life, right? Yeah. They were just going down with you. So I think it's what you're saying. It's love and it's the truth. Yeah. it's a, it, You bring up a great point, Katie, and you, you do too, Daniel, in using that, that term Gnosticism. Yeah. Now, what does that mean? The, the Gnostic heresy historically was, was a... Uh, a total a total split from the body so the spirit split from the body is almost like this language we hear today like i'm a woman trapped in a man's body like that's gnosticism at its highest (laughs) there's a sort of split from the demands of the created order and from the truth and from the exactly from the capital t truth that you're speaking about that god loves us into the truth and what does that mean for us as sexual beings is that we have to reckon with the truth of this body, like yeah. you said, Katie, the blueprint of mm-hmm. this body. Yeah. And so even relating back, I, lo- I love this. I think it's so important yeah. when you speak about trans I- I- ideation and, yeah. and living as a woman. Um, that's, of course, is a Gnostic. There's there's so much Gnosticism threaded in that. But even to take some steps back and to say, well, even, even homosexuality is a yeah. form of Gnosticism. Absolutely. 
And 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 in a way, if I'm I'm living a gay lifestyle, I'm basically saying my body that has a blueprint of being spousal yeah. with the opposite one actually has no demands on my life. Yes. Right. I can I can bypass the demands of yes. that blueprint right. so as to live in whatever I feel right. or whatever I desire. Uh-huh. And and John Paul II especially <laughs> would say no, we go deeper. Yes. Deeper still is right. a direction and orientation of who we are for women, men, yeah. and who she is for us, women. Yay, me. Yay. <laughs> <laughs> so I, lo- I think that's so important. Like yeah. to, I, I think throwing out this whole Gnostic thing, people are like, what does that mean? It's so much in the air, yeah. Yeah. living so divorced from the demands and the freedom right. of our body. When we listen to, to our nature, we're able to unlock a freedom. Right. Yes. Capital T Truth yes. is freedom for us. Yes. Well, yeah. And then like the power of the incarnation means nothing, right? Because yeah. it's like Jesus took on human form. Yes. And in so doing, our bodies become these beautiful like yes. imaging of the divine. And so the moment we say, well, our bodies aren't really for this design purpose, but for my own feelings. And like, what's incarnation? Then why is Jesus still retaining his human form if it actually means nothing? And so at the very least, if you love Jesus and you are, the incarnation is how we became saved and redeemed. It's like, let's respect our bodies because he respected our bodies by taking it on. So, I mean, that was the whole right Gnostic split. It's like, well, what's incarnation? Right. And like, we need to start with him, not us. Exactly. Right. It's not John Paul II. It's always like, well, you kind of start with his design (laughs) deeper. Yeah. And then you go deeper than all of your crap. Exactly. And brokenness. And then you find what he's retained and he retained it in you. That's so cool. Like you're a living example of the Lord retaining something in you. And then you kind of fought and you want it back. The importance of healing. Mm. I think that yeah, good. the story is good, right? The salvation story is amazing. I realized I needed more. Yeah. I needed more healing. Yes. Because I began to talk about my story to people here in this community, mm-hmm. right? Because, you know, IHOP was a draw. The and House of Prayer, House of Prayer. In yes. City, yep. here in Kansas City was such a draw. Literally, after I got saved, I came to the One Thing Conference Ooh. 28 mm-hmm. days later after I got saved. Wow. And I thought, I am going to do full-time ministry. You know what I mean? Like, I don't care about college anymore. <laughs> I'm burning all my clothes and wigs. Like, and I, and yeah, I did it. I yeah, did it. for sure. And yeah. I'm just going to follow Jesus, and I'm just going to do that. And I did. I gave my whole life to the Lord, and yeah. it was amazing. But I came here to Kansas City for the prayer room mm-hmm. to go to Bible school, and then I had heard about, about Andrew Kamiski, and I thought, oh, wow. I want to do the Living Waters program. So I went through the Living Waters program. And the one thing that really came into the place where for so long I had believed, right, when I was believing the lie of, of the fact, you know, that it was like, oh, you're, you're, this is who you are. You're just gay, you know, whatever. But then when the Lord came in, I was like, I knew that that wasn't true. Right. And I was like, oh, I know that's not true. But I needed more understanding yeah. and more clarity. You need to and learn how to walk yes, it out. Yes, sure. and I remember we were doing becoming responsive to the Father's love, mm-hmm. which was more about being responsive and inviting the Lord into s- mm-hmm. some of my wounds, and yeah. especially in regards to 
the maternal yeah. attachment yeah. and the maternal And that's wound. chapter three of Living Waters. Yes. And if you don't know what that is, you need to buy that book yes. at desertstream.org and read chapter three. Yes. And I remember responding to the altar ministry time and the coordinator who became a mentor and is a long standing friend yeah. of mine and also of Desert Stream yeah. Ministries came up to me and she she laid her hand on me because I they asked us to put our hand on our stomachs, you know, and they were praying the sense of being prayer, you know, it's more about like who you are, you know, is a good gift. And I remember her saying that to me, you are a good gift. And yeah. I remember standing there thinking, wow, I have never heard that in wow. my life, <laughs> especially in regards to my yeah. own brokenness and my wounding sure. and even the fact that I... I had a lot of shame concerning a lot of the choices I had made in my life. Mm-hmm. And even as a, you know, born again, tongue-talking Christian, <laughs> I needed to go deeper and yes. experience Jesus and his yes. mercy in that place of knowing that I was a good gift. And it actually helped me to turn the corner mm-hmm. and go deeper in my life. And I was able to take my place as a man Amen. on the wall and realized that it was good that I was here yes. and that I was part of a, a, of the family of God and that I was actually called to be one who says, you know, transformation is real yes. and it's an ongoing process, sure. you know, and I love that. And I think that that was something that I so needed. I also needed to reckon with the fact that for many years and for a long time, I hated being a man. And I think that Living Waters really gave me the space to come to the cross and reckon with that. And realizing that I needed to have that honor restored, that my honor as a man had been so broken, distorted, and, you know, I was so severed from the good of my masculinity. I was severed from it. It's not like, oh, you were just disconnected from it. No, I was severed. Right. Because I thought, oh, I'm just exotic and I'm better than, and because Mm. of, you know what I mean? It was like, I am the best, worst sinner. (laughs) (laughs) And that was kind of how I lived without even realizing it when I was in sin. Right. And then, and then I wasn't even, I wasn't even like connected to the reality that the Lord wanted to actually do an infusion. Yeah. Yeah of his mercy and grace so that I would have the power to stand up and go, okay, Lord, I surrender this part of my life where I hated being a man yeah. and and I lay it down only to pick up the good, only to receive and be restored from you in community right, right. as a man and seeing and realizing the importance of integration of yes, my spiritual life, but also the ability to actually walk this life out in my body right. as a man yeah. and the responsibility of that. Yeah. Just in regards to people who are listening and especially people who maybe struggle similar to you, Daniel, what would mm-hmm. be like your encouragement to them? Mm. Well, I think that the most important thing is to invite the Lord in to the places where people who think, well, this is just who I am, right? And they just think they're so right. Mm. Maybe invite him in then, yeah. right? And see 
you know, say yes to the Lord and what he has. Because I remember being in that place mm -hmm. of just thinking that this is just who I was. And then I thought, you know what, Lord, if you have something more for me, right. if you have more for me, then I want to know. I want to experience you. <laughs> and so I encourage anyone and everyone who is broken and realizes I have needs, I have wounds, I have sin. Yeah. I'm a sinner to invite Jesus in and to keep saying yes, especially in places where there's a no in us and he wants a yes. And it requires us to engage with him, to partner with him, this Jesus, who is saying, you know, it's okay, you can actually commit to me, mm -hmm. you know, and I'll give you the grace to overcome. It is that Revelation 3.17 reality where Jesus is saying, you think that you're rich, but you're miserable, mm -hmm. naked, poor, and blind, and I counsel you to buy gold refined in the fire. Mm -hmm. I'm standing at the door, I'm knocking, let me in so I can fellowship with you, dine with you, give you fresh clothing, eyes to see, and a whole new life so that you can have mm. the grace to overcome. Yeah. <laughs> and great. you can sit with me on my throne. And if I could make a shameless plug, like great advice, Daniel. It's like, listen to the Lord. But for some people, it's like, well, I don't even know what I'll find if I go there, right? If I kind of open up these wounds and these areas of like kind of deep torment to the Lord, I, I don't know what the truth is anymore. So I would recommend Strength and Weakness by Andrew Kavisky on the desertstream.org website. Um, he kind of talks about how this brokenness can actually become and I think it's a quote, a threshold of hope. Mm -hmm. And so if you're like, oh, I, like if Daniel was speaking to you and I was like, I want to say yes to him, but I don't even know what that looks like or where to start. Like, honestly, that's an amazing life changing book. And, you know, pray, be before the Lord and read this book and see how the Lord can minister to you by giving you truth where perhaps there hasn't been. So go on the website. Strength and weakness. That's awesome. I want to say one last thing about getting involved with Living Waters. Let's go. Living Waters yes. was such a life-changing reality for me. And in moments where I knew that I was vulnerable, even in my walk, yeah. I never went back hmm. to the lifestyle. But I had things come up in my life mm -hmm. where I needed yeah. the community. I needed Living yes. Waters yeah. community. Yeah. I needed to be strengthened yeah. and plumb, plumb line back to the church, plumb line back to this Jesus. And Living Waters has been a community, yes, a family man. of affection that has helped me to realize that I need the church. Yeah. I need Jesus. Yeah. And so I want to encourage you, do Living Waters, yes. come to the Living Waters training, yes. say yes, do it. And invest in actually being a clear voice yes, and a signpost that Jesus is in the business of Ooh. being a healer. Yes. Come on. He's in bro. the business. So I'm going to use that as the perfect segue. So if you want to get in the business of being a healer like Jesus, if you want to receive some healing but mm -hmm. become a conduit to, of, of it to others, uh, Desert Stream is putting on a conference 
um, the name is quite a mouthful. It's Incarnation and Integration. Um, and it's just a three-day conference, October 19th through 21st. It's in Kansas City at the Savior Pastoral Center. Uh, we'll put a link to it on the website, but it would be a great opportunity to just kind of get drenched in living waters. Mm. Come one, come all. If anything you heard in this podcast is like, I want some of that. Come and soak up the spirit of the Lord so you can be a conduit yes. for others. And so listeners of this podcast, if you're interested, you can receive a 15% off Let's the go. total cost if you go onto the website and use the promo code Desert Streaming, the name of our podcast. So Desert Streaming is a promo code. We'll put a link to the registration in our podcast, but it's a beautiful opportunity to receive so as to give. And so I would definitely recommend that you come. We'll all three be here. So we'll be signing autographs. Exactly. Yeah, we will be. <laughs> I will be actually coming up to every single one of you. And signing something. And shoving an autograph. <laughs> yes, a headshot. AI does headshots now. Because if you've gone to the Desert Stream websites, the photos look at are not good. And so I have to add one and I'm going to use AI because I'm not joining that. If you know people who want to yes. come to this conference, give them this podcast and they can get they can get to this point of the podcast. Yes, listen. <laughs> listen yes. to the end. Should have done this at the beginning. <laughs> and get, get 15% off. Yes. And stay tuned. We, we want to give more deals on this podcast. And, so. and remember the motto. It's not, it's like when you're here, you're family, not when you're here, you're home. So I actually think that will be the new motto yeah. for Desert Streaming is when you're here, you're home. Applebee's. <laughs> no, for us. Oh, for us. Yeah, because it's when you're here, you're home. That's yeah. our podcast motto. Is it? Welcome home. <laughs> Daniel, we love you, brother. I love you too. Thank you for being with oh us. Gosh, thanks for having me. Until next time, God bless you guys.